It's not surprising that 2014 saw an increase in cyber attacks against banking institutions, retailers, and payment card data, as well as personally identifiable information. Here, Daniel Cohen, a threat researcher and phishing expert at security firm RSA, explains some of the trends RSA saw emerge in 2014 and offers some predictions about what we might see emerge or continue in 2015. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Daniel, RSA recently published a fraud report that highlights some of the most impactful trends from 2014. Not surprisingly, point-of-sale breaches led the report, with RSA coining 2014 as the so-called year of the POS breach. What were some of the most noteworthy trends regarding POS malware that RSA identified in 2014? Hi, Tracy, and, and thanks for having me on the show. I mean, throughout 2014, and, and this started, you know, late 2013, started seeing all the retail breaches and pose malware, point of sale malware, started hitting headlines. It's important to say that pose malware, there's nothing new. It's been around for several years now, and, and it's a pretty simple form of attack if you look at it. At the end of the day, you know, it's standard memory scraping. The, the malware infects to the point of sale. It sits in memory looking for the credit card numbers as they're being swiped. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, 2014 was the year of point of sale breaches. And when you kind of try and look at it from, from a higher perspective and understand why suddenly, you know, point of sale devices were the target, I think you look at the evolution of the cybercrime landscape and, and you constantly see this shift towards um, advancing tactics, trying to capture more data in one single attack. And you know, this adoption, this high adoption of point of sale malware answered that, you know, the need to gain more data in a single attack and the fact that it's also become easy to access these retailers. Um, one of the studies that we actually provided or, or published this year was around the back-off point of sale and how the attackers leveraged the fact that smaller retailers, smaller merchants left both the point of sale, the RDP port open, as well as IP video. So they were scanning for these ports at different hosts, and once they identified that, they realized that they had a, you know, a good target on their hands. They brute forced the RDP. They get in and they have you know, access into the merchants. And we've been seeing that you know, throughout the different point of sale attacks, we've been seeing this leveraging of the RDP, of the remote access that is left open into the point of sale device, and attackers are basically taking advantage of that. Daniel, you make some great points because, as you rightly note, point-of-sale malware is nothing new. In fact, Black POS actually first cropped up in 2012 and 2013. Let's talk a little bit about the remote access attacks, however, that you noted. What can you tell us about some of the trends in these attacks that we might expect to see in 2015? So, you know, we're seeing the world become more and more connected. You know, that's just a fact of life. Organizations um, are connecting, you know, to each other's networks more and more. And we've seen, you know, different attacks in 2014 where the actual breach itself, the original breach happened with a point-of-sale vendor, not the actual merchant that was using the device. So they breach the vendor, they get their um, remote access credentials, and then travel up the supply chain to the target and compromise the point-of-sale. I think throughout 2015, we're going to be you know, sadly seeing more of this happen. There are still many merchants out there that are still unprotected or are not deploying you know, more secure point-of-sale devices at their endpoints. That said, you know, we're going to see major changes or adoptions of different currencies throughout 2015. You know, you look at um, the adoption rates of Apple Pay over the last couple months and looking to 2015, as adoption grows, we also might see alternative forms of payment slowly push point of sale 
out the doors, and then with that, we'll see a decrease in the point of sale attacks. That's a great point that you make about Apple Pay, Daniel, and I'd like to come back to that discussion, especially as we talk about mobile malware attacks and some of the trends there. But let's talk for a moment about some of the response from the industry when it comes to these remote access point of sale attacks or even the compromise of vendors themselves. Daniel, do you think that retailers and vendors are adequately addressing their risks? I mean, what is it that they should be doing this year that they aren't doing right now? They have to start looking at how they're assessing the risks that their organizations face. You look at the breaches, the retail breaches that happened you know, this past year, and it's pretty astounding the business damage that these cyber attacks cause. You know, when you look at, at the risk from cyber and you figure to yourself, well, oh, that's just a server. I'm just going to unplug it if something goes wrong. And you fail to assess the damages, the financial damages that, that a breach can cause, specifically mentioned Target. And you see, you know, what Target went through and, you know, the stock price um, suffered from this. There was serious, serious business and operational damage caused to Target. And so coming back to, you know, the retailers, they have to understand the risks that they face, specifically within the world that we live in today. More and more devices are becoming connected. The attack surface is expanding exponentially. And retailers and merchants, they need to realize that they're in you know, the target, that the bad guys are now looking at them. The bad guys had great success in 2014. Um, they're going to continue to leverage this tactic. It's proved very beneficial for them, for the bad guys. And retailers, again, they have to look at this. They have to assess the risk coming from you know, the digital space. They have to understand that you know, their point-of-sale devices are being targeted, and they have to then figure out how to protect those point-of-sale devices, deploy the necessary sensors on their networks, on their systems, and monitor the activities taking place. So let's go back to the discussion about mobile malware. Of course, that was another trend that was noted in the report that just came out from RSA. Daniel, we spend a lot of time talking about mobile malware, and we spent a lot of time talking about mobile malware in 2014. But were mobile malware attacks really that prevalent last year, and do we expect them to be more prevalent this year, of course, with the advent of Apple Pay and some of the other technologies that you've noted? Sure. I mean, mobile, you know, it's, it's a constant buzzword in the past couple of years. There's an interesting study by MIT. They stated that smartphone technology is the fastest adopted technology in the history of mankind. And you look at the numbers, and the numbers back that up. 2013, there were over 700 million smartphones shipped around the world. 2014 closed with about 1.3 billion new smartphones. You look into 2015, you know, the forecast is another 2 billion smartphones to be shipped in 2015. And, and you know, that's phenomenal, phenomenal growth. And with that, you know, bad guys are looking at this. They understand that the world is becoming mobile. People are moving away from the PC to the smartphones, to the tablets. So, you know, they understand that they have to be on those platforms and those systems um, on mobile in order to you know, continue making money, compromising the data. With that, though, I mean, it's important to understand that you know, we use the term malware very easily, but when you look at the mobile threat, it's not, you know, I'll call it real malware. On the mobile, you know, we're not seeing kernel-level malware. We're not seeing malware um, circumventing or hacking the operating system or anything like that. We are, you know, seeing malware, or really, you know, I like calling it permissionware. You download the app. The app asks you for permission to do different things in your device. Most users will just, you know, click next, next, next through the permission screens and install, you know, this flashlight app. And, and of course, you know, by the way, I'm talking obviously about the, you know, Android, the Android operating system, which is suffering, you know, most of these attacks are, are targeted at the Android platform. And so the users, you know, they're downloading this flashlight app. 
It's asking them for permission to you know, read their SMS messages, read their contact book, access their telephone. Users are clicking next, next, next. The next thing you know, you have a flashlight app, but side note, it's also stealing all your data from the phone. Throughout 2014, we continue to see malicious mobile apps that continue to act as a counterpart to a PC attack. Um, so again, you know, considering the financial world, you're transferring money from your bank account to another bank account. Um, that might trigger an SMS one-time password, and you know, the fraudsters need that one-time password to complete you know, their malicious transactions. So we continue to see these counterpart mobile SMS sniffers intercepting the one-time passwords. But interestingly enough, we started seeing the growth of standalone mobile attacks. And to that extent, you know, we can talk about ransomware that has now jumped over from PC into mobile. Um, and so you, again, you install an app, the app asks you for permission, you give it permission, and the next thing you know, your screen is locked and you're getting the scary message and you know, required to pay a fine. So you know, that's an example of a standalone attack that is now happening on mobile. There were different types of apps, um, malicious apps that were actually doing phishing on mobile. Um, Kaspersky actually um, identified a piece of malware called SVPeng, which started out as a phishing attack on the mobile phones. A very interesting phishing attack. The app would actually wait for a legitimate app to launch. So let's say you know XYZ Bank has a native app. The malicious app will wait for the user to launch XYZ app. Once the app launches, the malicious app, SVPeng, would then pop up a screen asking for information. So the social engineering aspect was, was pretty much perfected. And so looking into 2015, you're going to continue to see the mobile channel leveraged more and more in attacks. And we're going to start slowly seeing more and more of these standalone attacks take place on the mobile device without that counterpart PC element. Daniel, you make a good point about the attacks in the future not necessarily having to have the PC component. Would you say that that's a factor that comes into play when we think about mobile payments more so than mobile banking? Yeah, I would say so. As the go-to device for our online banking or our e-commerce becomes our you know, mobile phone or tablet or you know, whatever mobile smart device you have, as we're using these more and more, we're going to see more and more of the attacks move into mobile. Um, we're already seeing a lot of the fraud that we you know, detect, see it coming from the mobile world. And, and you know, again, because we're now using these devices more and more and moving away from the PCs, the bad guys will have to have these standalone attacks because we are no longer you know, on a PC. You mentioned phishing attacks, and I want to come back to talk about phishing because this was another trend that was noted in the report that came out from RSA. And of course, it's one of your favorite topics. I know you and I talk about it quite a bit. When we look at some of the phishing attacks that were tracked by RSA over the course of the last two years, perhaps, or the last year, you've got some trending data there. So phishing attacks that take aim at banking institutions, for instance, were noted in the report. Are these attacks being waged against the bank's customers, employees, or both? So we're, we track the, the attacks against the bank's customers. And comparing 2014 over 2013, 2014 was just another record year. And really, you know, it, it was surprising to me as well. We ended the year with, with just shy of 500,000 attacks um, that we detected throughout 2014, um, which signified about 11% increase over 2013. And to me, that was surprising. I think in 2013 when we spoke, um, I think I said that uh, attacks would probably either stay the same or, or at least reduce or you know, go down a number a little because you know, we're seeing more and more adoption of DMARC technologies and anti-phishing technologies, yet um, you know, at the end of the day, we're still seeing this increase in phishing attacks. Looking at 2014, 
Um, it was off to a pretty strong start comparing the, the, the first six months of the year. Um, they were much higher um, than the previous year. I mean, for example, April, which is, you know, tax season fish, saw a, a huge increase. It was over 100% increase this April, you know, April over April. Um, with, you know, bad guys taking advantage of the tax season. And we also saw a major increase in November during, you know, the holiday shopping season, the Black Friday sales. Um, we saw about 50% um, increase November over November. And I think, you know, you look at Black Friday specifically, we started seeing the, you know, the Black Friday concept spill over from the U.S. into other geos. We saw it in Europe. And so, you know, the numbers were, were significantly higher. So, you know, we're here we are closing another year um, in another record year, 10% or 11% over the previous year. So is it safe to assume, Daniel, that in 2015 we'll probably see the trend continue with an increase? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I guess so. I mean, you know, tracking the underground, looking at, at what's happening in the underground, the dropping prices of phishing attacks, you know, it costs you today oh, close to nothing to spam 500,000 email addresses. Um, you know, that'll set you back around 30 to $40 in today's um, cybercrime services. And, you know, as these expertise, you know, the, the notion of the cybercrime as a service, you know, as these expertise break down more and more, and you're seeing, you know, through 2014, what was um, interesting to me was seeing how customer support or customer service in the underground was becoming a very key element, a key theme. Then credit card stores, you'd see, you know, very quickly credit card stores would replace, if they sold you an expired card, they would replace that for you or return your money. We started seeing all these blowout sales, you know, buy 100 for 10, very focused on, on the customer experience, you know, so-called customer. And that is obviously driving innovation as well in the cybercrime underground marketplace. So again, coming back to the phishing, you know, this innovation, these expertise for hire are slowly driving the prices down. So looking into 2015, yeah, I think it would be safe to, to say that in 2015 we're going to continue to see very high levels of phishing. So this is digital pickpocketing. It's, it's one of the most pervasive crimes out there. It makes people some nice money, um, and we're going to see that growth through 2015. Daniel, the report broke down phishing attacks based on the volume of attacks that were hitting certain geographies versus the number of attacks that were actually hosted in certain geographies and were waged against entities in other countries. What are some of the differences there between the volume of attacks hitting these countries from other places versus the number of attacks that are hosted in these countries? So if we look at the uh, the geography, you know, the geographic breakdown of phishing through 2014, you know, it's no surprise the U.S. emerged as the number one target. U.S. brands were the most targeted brands through the year with about, you know, over nearly 70%, over 67% of phishing attacks were targeting the U.S., Europe in second place, and, and APJ in third place. Interestingly enough, in, in APJ, in, or the greater Asia-Pacific region, uh, China actually jumped very high up this year, um, overtaking India. So, you know, usually India was the number one target for APJ, and China um, increased by almost 200% in 2014, um, which was a very interesting increase. In terms of the hosting countries, you know, the U.S. is also still number one, hosting the vast majority of attacks. And then the second place and third place kind of traded places through the years, Germany and the UK. And, you know, you look at the hosting countries, it boils down to really how many servers or how much, um, I guess you could call it social activity, because at the end of the day, Fishers are compromising servers. They're not buying hosting services. Sometimes they are, but the vast majority, over 70% of attacks, 
are hosted on compromised servers, on you know off-the-shelf content management systems that they've managed to exploit and compromise. And so you know you look at countries that are generating a lot of content, social content, if it be you know blogs or or you know mini blogs or you know that that type of content, and they become targets for hosting services. So bad guys will compromise these servers, use this free infrastructure for their attacks and then you know, from there launch to the rest of the world. Daniel, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Sure, my pleasure. Anything. Again, we've just heard from Daniel Cohen of RSA. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.